Chapter Six of Animals of the Past by Frederick Lucas. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Jeffrey Smith. The Dinosaurs. Shapes of all sorts and sizes, great and small. A few million years ago, geologists and physicists do not agree upon the exact number although both agree upon the millions, when the Rocky Mountains were not yet born, and the now bare and arid western plains a land of lakes, rivers, and luxuriant vegetation. The region was inhabited by a race of strange and mighty reptiles, upon whom science has bestowed the appropriate name of dinosaurs, or terrible lizards. Our acquaintance with the dinosaurs is comparatively recent, dating from the early part of the 19th century, and, in America at least, the date may be set at 1818, when the first dinosaur remains were found in the valley of the Connecticut, although they naturally were not recognized as such, nor had the term been devised. The first dinosaur to be formally recognized as representing quite a new order of reptiles was the carnivorous megalosaur, found near Oxford, England, in 1824. For a long time, our knowledge of dinosaurs was very imperfect and literally fragmentary, depending mostly upon scattered teeth, isolated vertebrae, or fragments of bone picked up on the surface, or casually encountered in some mine or quarry. Now, however, thanks mainly to the labors of American paleontologists, thanks also to the rich deposits of fossils in our western states, we have an extensive knowledge of the dinosaurs, of their size, structure, habits, and general appearance, there are today no animals living that are closely related to them none have lived for a long period of time for the dinosaurs came to an end in the cretaceous and it can only be said that the crocodiles on the one hand and the ostriches on the other are the nearest existing relatives of these great reptiles for though so different in outward appearance birds and reptiles are structurally quite closely allied and the creeping snake and the bird on which it preys are relatives although any intimate relationship between them is of the serpent's making and is strongly objected to by the bird but if we compare the skeleton of a dinosaur with that of an ostrich, a young one is preferable, and with those of the earlier birds, we shall find that many of the barriers now existing between reptiles and birds are broken down, and that they have many points in common. In fact, save in the matter of clothes, wherein birds differ from all other animals, the two great groups are not so very far apart. The dinosaurs were by no means confined to North America, although the western United States seemed to have been their headquarters, but ranged pretty much over the world, 
for their remains have been found in every continent, even in far-off New Zealand. In point of time, they ranged from the Trias to the Upper Cretaceous, their golden age, marking the culminating point of reptilian life, being in the Jurassic when huge forms stalked by the seashore, browsed amid the swamps, or disported themselves along the reedy margins of lakes and rivers. They had their day, a day of many thousand years, and then passed away, giving place to the superior race of mammals, which was just springing into being when the huge dinosaurs were in the heyday of their existence. And it does seem as if, in the dim and distant past, as in the present, brains were a potent factor in the struggle for supremacy for though these reptiles were giants in size dominating the earth through mere brute force they were dwarfs in intellect the smallest human brain that is thought to be compatible with life itself weighs a little over ten ounces the smallest that can exist with reasoning powers is two pounds this in a creature weighing from 120 to 150 pounds. What do we find among dinosaurs? Thespesius or Cleosaurus, which may have walked where Baltimore now stands, was 25 feet in length and stood a dozen feet high in his bare feet, had a brain smaller than a man's clenched fist, weighing less than one pound brontosaurus in some respects the biggest brute that ever walked was but little better off and triceratops and his relatives creatures having twice the bulk of an elephant weighing probably over ten tons possessed a brain weighing not over two pounds how much of what we term intelligence could such a creature possess what was the extent of its reasoning powers? Judging from our own standpoint and the small amount of intellect apparent in some humans with much larger brains, these big reptiles must have known just about enough to have eaten when they were hungry. Anything more was superfluous. However, intelligence is one thing, life another and the spinal cord with its supply of nerve substance doubtless looked after the mere mechanical functions of life, and while even the spinal cord is in many cases quite small, in some places, particularly in the sacral region, it is subject to considerable enlargement. This is notably true of Stegosaurus, where the sacral enlargement is twenty times the bulk of the puny brain, a fact noted by Professor Marsh and seized upon by the newspapers, which announced that he had discovered a dinosaur with a brain in its pelvis. In their great variety of size and shape, the dinosaurs form an interesting parallel with the marsupials of Australia. For just as these are, as it were, an epitome of the class of mammals, mimicking the herbivores, carnivores, rodents, 
and even monkeys, so there are carnivorous and herbivorous dinosaurs, dinosaurs that dwelt on land, and others that habitually resided in the water, those that walked upright and those that crawled about on all fours, and while there are no hints that any possessed the power of flight, some members of the group are very bird-like in form and structure, so much so that it has been thought that the two may have had a common ancestry. The smallest of the dinosaurs whose acquaintance we have made were little larger than chickens, the largest claim the distinction of being the largest known quadrupeds that have walked the face of the earth the giants not only of their day but of all time before whose huge frames the bones of the mammoth that familiar byword for all things great seems slight for brontosaurus the thunder lizard beneath whose mighty tread the earth shook and his kindred were from forty to sixty feet long and ten to fourteen feet high their thigh bones measuring five to six feet in length being the largest single bones known to us while some of the vertebrae were four and a half feet high exceeding in dimensions those of a whale the group to which Brontosaurus belongs, including Diplodocus and Morosaurus, is distinguished by a large, though rather short, body, very long neck and tail, and, for the size of the animal, a very small head. In fact, the head was so small, and, in the case of Diplodocus, so poorly provided with teeth, that it must have been quite a task, or a long-continued pleasure, according to the state of its digestive apparatus, for the animal to have eaten its daily meal. An elephant weighing five tons eats one hundred pounds of hay and twenty-five pounds of grain for his day's ration. But as this food is in a comparatively concentrated form, it would require at least twice this weight of green fodder. It is a difficult matter to estimate the weight of a live Diplodocus or a Brontosaurus, but it is pretty safe to say that it would not be far from twenty tons, and that one would devour at the very least something over seven hundred pounds of leaves or twigs or plants each day, more if the animal felt really hungry. But here we must, even if reluctantly, curb our imagination a little and consider another point the cold-blooded sluggish reptiles as we know them today do not waste their energies in rapid movements or in keeping the temperature of their bodies above that of the air and so by no means require the amount of food needed by more active warm-blooded animals Alligators, turtles, and snakes will go for weeks, even months, without food, and while this applies more particularly to those that dwell in temperate climes, and during their winter hibernation practically suspend the functions of digestion and respiration, it is more or less true of all reptiles. 
and as there is little reason for supposing that reptiles behaved in the past any differently from what they do in the present these great dinosaurs may after all not have been gifted with such ravenous appetites as one might fancy still it is dangerous to lay down any hard and fast laws concerning animals and he who writes about them is continually obliged to qualify his remarks in sporting parlance to hedge a little and in the present instance there is some reason based on the arrangement of vertebrae and ribs to suppose that the lungs of dinosaurs were somewhat like those of birds and that as a corollary their blood may have been better aerated and warmer than that of living reptiles but to return to the question of food from the peculiar character of the articulations of the limb bones, it is inferred that these animals were largely aquatic in their habits and fed on some abundant species of water plants. One can readily see the advantage of the long neck in browsing off the vegetation on the bottom of shallow lakes while the animal was submerged or in rearing the head aloft to scan the surrounding shores for the approach of an enemy. Or with the tail as a counterpoise, the entire body could be reared out of water and the head be raised some thirty feet in the air triceratops he of the three-horned face had a remarkable skull which projected backward over the neck like a fireman's helmet or a sunbonnet worn hind side before while over each eye was a massive horn directed forward a third but much smaller horn being sometimes present on the nose the little horn toad which isn't a toad at all is the nearest suggestion we have today of Triceratops, but could he realize the ambition of the frog in the fable and swell himself to the dimensions of an ox, he would even then be but a pygmy compared with his ancient and distant relative. So far as mere appearance goes, he would compare very well, for while so much is said about the strange appearance of the dinosaurs, it is to be borne in mind that their peculiarities are enhanced by their size, and that there are many lizards of today that lack only stature to be even more bizarre. And, for example, were the Australian Malik but big enough, he could give even Stegosaurus points in more ways than one standing before the skull of triceratops looking him squarely in the face one notices in front of each eye a thick guard of projecting bone and while this must have interfered with vision directly ahead it must have also furnished protection for the eye so long as triceratops faced an adversary he must have been practically invulnerable but as he was the largest animal of his time, upward of 25 feet in length, it is probable that his combats were mainly with those of his own kind and the subject of dispute some fair female upon whom two rival suitors had cast covetous eyes. 
what a sight it would have been to have seen two of these big brutes in mortal combat as they charged upon each other with all the impetus to be derived from ten tons of infuriate flesh we may picture to ourselves horn clashing upon horn or glancing from each bony shield until some skillful stroke or unlucky slip placed one combatant at the mercy of the other and he went down before the blows of his adversary as falls on mount alvernus a thunder-smitten oak a pair of triceratops horns in the national museum bears witness to such encounters for one is broken midway between tip and base and that it was broken during life is evident from the fact that the stump is healed and rounded over while the size of the horns shows that their owner reached a ripe old age for unlike man and the higher vertebrates reptiles and fishes do not have a maximum standard of size which is soon reached and rarely exceeded but continue to grow throughout life so that the size of a turtle a crocodile or a dinosaur tells something of the duration of its life before quitting triceratops let us glance for a moment at its skeleton now among other things a skeleton is the solution of a problem in mechanics and in triceratops the head so dominates the rest of the structure that one might almost imagine the skull was made first and the body adjusted to it the great head seems made not only for offense and defense the spreading frill serves for the attachment of muscles to sustain the weight of the skull while the work of the muscles is made easier by the fact that the frill reaches so far back of the junction of head with neck as to largely counterbalance the weight of the face and jaws when we restored the skull of this animal it was found that the center of gravity lay back of the eye several of the bones of the neck are united in one mass to furnish a firm attachment for the muscles that support and move the skull but as the movements of the neck are already restricted by the overhanging frill this loss of motion is no additional disadvantage to support all this weight of skull and body requires very massive legs and as the forelegs are very short this enables triceratops to browse comfortably from the ground by merely lowering the front of the head these forms we have been considering were the giants of the group but a commoner species thespesius though less in bulk than those just mentioned was still of goodly proportions for as he stalked about the top of his head was twelve feet from the ground thespesius and his kin seem to have been comparatively abundant for they have a wide distribution and many specimens some almost perfect have been discovered in this country and abroad 
No less than 29 iguanodons, a European relative of Thespesius, were found in one spot in mining for coal at Bernissart, Belgium. Here, during long years of Cretaceous time, a river slowly cut its way through the coal-bearing strata to a depth of 750 feet, a depth almost twice as great as the deepest part of the gorge of Niagara, and then, this being accomplished, began the work of filling up the valley it had excavated. It was then a sluggish stream with marshy borders, a stream subject to frequent floods, when the water turbid with mud and laden with sand overflowed its banks, leaving them, as the waters subsided, covered thickly with mud. Here, amidst the luxuriant vegetation of a semi-tropical climate, lived and died the iguanodons, and here the pick of the miner rescued them from their long entombment to form part of the treasures of the museum at Brussels. Like other reptiles living and extinct, Thespesius was continually renewing his teeth, so that, as fast as one tooth was worn out, it was replaced by another, a point wherein Thespesius had a decided advantage over ourselves. On the other hand, as there was a reserve supply of something like 400 teeth in the lower jaw alone, what an opportunity for the toothache! And then we have a multitude of lesser dinosaurs, including the active predatory species with sharp claws and double-edged teeth. Megalosaurus, the first of the dinosaurs to be really known, was one of these carnivorous species, and from our west comes a near relative, Ceratosaurus, the nose-horned lizard, a queer beast with tiny forelegs, powerful sharp-clawed hind feet, and well-armed jaws. A most formidable foe, he seems, the more that the hollow bones speak of active movements, and Professor Cope pictured him, or a near relative, vigorously engaged in combat with his fellows, or preying upon the huge but helpless herbivores of the marshes, leaping, biting, and tearing his enemy to pieces with tooth and claw. Professor Osborne, on the other hand, is inclined to consider him as a reptilian hyena, feeding upon carrion, although one can but feel that such an armament is not entirely in the interests of peace. Last, but by no means least, are the stegosaurs, or plated lizards, for not only were they beasts of goodly size, but they were among the most singular of all known animals, singular even for dinosaurs. They had diminutive heads, small forelegs, long tails armed on either side near the tip, with two pairs of large spines, while from these spines to the neck 
ran a series of large but thin and sharp-edged plates standing on edge so that their backs looked like the bottom of a boat provided with a number of little center boards just how these plates were arranged is not decided beyond a peradventure but while originally figured as having them in a single series down the back it seems much more probable that they formed parallel rows the largest of these plates were two feet in height and length and not more than an inch thick except at the base where they were enlarged and roughened to give a firm hold to the thick skin in which they were embedded be it remembered too that these plates and spines were doubtless covered with horn so that they were even longer in life than as we now see them the tall spines varied in length according to the species from eight or nine inches to nearly three feet and some of them have a diameter of six inches at the base they were swung by a tail eight to ten feet long and as a visitor was heard to remark one wouldn't like to be about such an animal in fly time such were some of the strange and mighty animals that once roamed this continent from the valley of the connecticut where they literally left their footprints on the sands of time to the rocky mountains where the ancient lakes and rivers became cemeteries for the entombment of their bones the labor of the collector has gathered their fossil remains from many a western canyon the skill of the preparator has removed them from their stony sepulchres and the study of the anatomist has restored them as they were in life references most of our large museums have on exhibition fine specimens of many dinosaurs comprising skulls limbs and large portions of their skeletons the american museum of natural history new york has the largest and finest display the first actual skeleton of a dinosaur to be mounted in this country was the splendid claosaurus at the yale university museum where other striking pieces are also to be seen the mounting of this claosaurus which is twenty-nine feet long and thirteen feet high took an entire year the united states national museum is particularly rich in examples of the great horned triceratops while the carnegie museum pittsburgh has the best diplodocus the field columbian museum and the universities of wyoming and colorado all have good collections the largest single bone of a dinosaur is the thigh bone of a brontosaurus in the field columbian museum this measuring six feet eight inches in length the height of a complete hind leg in the american museum of natural history is ten feet while a single claw measures six by nine inches 
the skeleton of triceratops restored in paper mache for the pan american exposition measured twenty five feet from tip of nose to end of tail and was ten feet six inches to the top of the backbone over the hips this being the highest point the head in the united states national museum used as a model is five feet six inches long in a straight line and four feet three inches across the frill there is a skull in the yale university museum even larger than this articles relating to dinosaurs are mostly technical in their nature and scattered through various scientific journals the most accessible probably is the dinosaurs of north america by professor o c marsh published as part of the sixteenth annual report of the united states geological survey this contains many figures of the skulls bones and entire skeletons of many dinosaurs end of chapter six